for the next few Wednesday nights with the topic of what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit. Now, I know that we have people who are thinking, I don't need to come on a Wednesday night because I know what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues. I'm going to say that again. I'm sure we have people who think, I don't need to go and hear this message because I already know what it means to be filled with the Spirit. I speak with tongues. Well, there you go. You missed it. Because it's just not about speaking in tongues. And if you think that that's what this sermon series is about, you probably have missed it already. So it's more than speaking in tongues, all right? And so uh, what we're going to do for the next, um, let's see, we're going to start today. And for the next two other Wednesdays, we are going to deal with what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, um, thank you for being here. All right, if you have your Bibles, take it to Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18. I'm going to read out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible because... I like its translation just a little better. It basically says the same thing. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions, debauchery, depending on your translation, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have together in your Word, in your house tonight. We pray that you would open up our ears, and that you would open up our hearts, that we would receive your word tonight, and we won't fail to praise you. And everyone said, Amen. It was in Dublin, Ireland, Ireland in 1872, a man by the name of Harvey and Dwight. Never heard of Harvey before, but you have heard of Dwight. And when I refer to Dwight, I'm referring to Dwight Moody. He was preaching there in Ireland and having a great meeting. And uh, they went to an all-night prayer meeting one night, prayed all night. The next day, him and the pastor was outside walking. And uh, Dwight Moody was just having a good conversation with the pastor there. And they're just walking after praying all night. The pastor said something to Dwight that changed his life forever. The pastor said to him, he said, Dwight, he said, the world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. Let me say that again. He said, Dwight, the world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. Those words penetrated his heart, penetrated Dwight Moody's spirit, 
and it became a conviction in his life. Of course, he went down in history as one of the most profound evangelists in the 19th century because he was convicted that God can use a man if he is totally consecrated and yielded to the Master. I want those words to ring in your heart tonight. I want those words to ring in your spirit that it's not about having more of God as as some believe. It's how much of you does He have. It's not about coming to church asking for more of God, more of God. The moment you got converted, the Holy Spirit is already in you. It's about how much does He have of you, which really determines how much of God you really have. Does that make sense? The world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through a man who is holy and fully consecrated to Him. Now, when I speak of being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's very imperative and very important that you understand that the moment you became a believer, the moment you confessed your sin, the moment the Spirit of God drew you to a place of conviction and repentance is the moment, according to Scripture, that you became regenerated, justified, pardoned from your sin. You were translated from the kingdom of darkness and you were translated into the kingdom of light. You were alienated from God, separated from God. You walked according to your own nature and your own lust. But the moment the Spirit worked in and through your life, through faith and repentance and grace, you became a believer. And the Scripture says, Therefore, if anybody be in Christ, he is a new creature. You have passed from your from death, and you have passed unto life. The moment that occurred, the Scripture teaches us that the Spirit of God lives inside of you. So everyone who is converted, everyone that is a Christian, has the Holy Spirit inside of them. And before I get into what it means to be filled with the Spirit, it is imperative that we understand that if you are a believer, and if you do serve Jesus, and you have confessed Him as your Savior, then the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Whether you're Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian, Catholic, whatever you may be, if you're a true believer, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Somebody say amen. The Scripture says, and let me just reiterate to you, the Bible says in John 14 and verse 16, John 14 and verse 16, it will be behind me, and I want you to see these Scriptures as we go through them very, very Quickly, in John chapter 14 and verse 16, and I will pray to the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you forever. Who is the helper? He is the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who walks with us, the one who will abide with us forever. So He is with all believers. The Scripture records in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 13. Ephesians 1 and verse number 13. And I quote, In Him... You also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also you have believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
So the writer here, who is Paul, is clearly telling us that if you, if you have gave heed to the word of the gospel and you have believed the gospel, then you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He further says in verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. So the Holy Spirit is the seal upon you at your salvation to guarantee that you have an inheritance. Somebody say amen. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 1 and 22, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 22, 2 Corinthians 1 and 22. I want you to see what the writer here, who is Paul, is also saying in verse number 22. He speaks of the Holy Spirit, and I quote, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The Spirit of God is your guarantee for eternal salvation. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 30. Ephesians 4 and verse number 30. Ephesians 4 and verse number 30, and I quote, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, there are a plethora of scriptures that I could go through explaining to you that you have the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion. But every one of you have the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of you. So I want you to say this with me tonight. I have the Holy Spirit indwelling in me. He is the seal of promise. So do you have the Holy Spirit in you? Do you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you? Will He abide with you forever? Yes, He is the paraclete. Can you lift one hand up and thank God for the Holy Spirit? That He lives inside of you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is your paraclete. He leads us into all truth. He is with us even now. Amen. So now the Scripture says... In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, I read it out of a Holman Christian translation. Don't get drunk, which is debauchery. Don't get drunk, which leads to reckless actions and behaviors, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what does this mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I'm going to tell you what this verse does not mean. This verse does not mean, the scripture I read to you in Ephesians 5.18, this scripture does not mean this. Number one, this phrase is not commanding empty Christians to acquire something they don't already have. Because each of us already possess the Holy Spirit at the time of repentance. Now, that is why a few moments ago I just gave this whole plethora of scriptures to tell you that the moment you are converted... The moment you believe in Jesus, you already have the Holy Spirit. So when it tells us to be filled with the Spirit, it is not telling us to acquire something we don't already have. We already have it. Somebody shout, I already have it. Come on, shout it again, I already have it. So the phrase is not commanding empty Christians to acquire something they don't already have because you have the Holy Spirit. I'm, about, I'm just about to shout right there. I have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He walks with you. He guides you. And He directs you. You've got to be careful accusing other Christians that they don't have the Holy Spirit. If they're truly born again, they have 
the Holy Spirit. So this scripture is not commanding empty Christians to acquire something they don't already have. Because each of you already have it. For instance, Romans chapter 8 and verse number 9. Romans 8 and verse number 9. Look at this. Romans 8 and verse number 9. Romans 8 and verse number 9, and I quote the Apostle Paul. Verse number 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Somebody say, I'm in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Does the Spirit of God dwell in you? Does the Spirit of God dwell in you? Come on, somebody said it dwells in me. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. If you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you don't belong to Christ. If you don't have the Spirit of God in you, you do not belong to Christ. So, the Scripture is very adamant. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit. And if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he is not of his. So, don't get drunk with wine which leads to excess or debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. This Scripture is not commanding empty Christians to acquire something they don't have. And let me just go a step further to say this. It's dangerous to be empty. We say, Lord, empty me, empty me. It's dangerous to be empty. Because you remember the parable that Jesus said, the demons left and the house was empty and they swept it clean. What happened after it was emptied out? He and they came right back. The issue is not being empty. The issue is what are you filled with? What's controlling your life? So this is not a command for empty Christians to acquire something they don't already have. You already have the Spirit. Number two, this Scripture isn't necessarily talking about the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Although the baptism of the Holy Spirit is always fundamental in being filled. So, this scripture here, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It is not necessarily talking about the baptism, like Pentecostals refer it to as, where you receive the baptism of the Spirit, the evidence is you speak with other languages. This particular scripture is not referring to that experience. Although, if you're going to be filled, you have to be filled with the Spirit and receive the baptism. The difference is, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an initial experience. While this scripture talks to us about a continual filling. Did we get that? Everybody shout out. Initial experience versus a continual experience. Say it one more time, shout it out. Initial experience versus a continual experience. So when Paul says, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, he's not necessarily talking about the initial experience. He's talking about an experience that is continual. He is already thinking you should have already been baptized with the Spirit of God. He's already alluding to the fact you should have already received the baptism. He is saying in Ephesians 5.18, you should have this continually feeling of the Spirit of God. 
So let me make sure you understand. This scripture here, number one, is not commanding empty Christians to acquire something they don't already have. Am I right? Because you already have the Spirit of God in you. Number two, this scripture is not talking about necessarily the baptism of the Holy Spirit, although it is fundamental in us being filled, but this scripture is talking about the continual being filled. So there is a difference between the initial experience and a continual being filled with the Spirit of God. Am I right about it? Say amen. So this is what I want you to see. If you look at the word, it says, and be filled with the Spirit. The, the phrase be filled is the Greek word spelled P-L-E-R-O-U-S-T-H-E. It is the Greek word which is translated into English, be being kept filled. Or another translation will say, go on being filled. Somebody shout that out with me. Go on being filled. Somebody say being kept filled. Come on, shout it out. Being kept filled. So it's this idea that Paul is talking about. I'm, he's not talking about the initial experience, but he's talking about an experience that you go on being filled, that you are continually being filled over and over. It perfectly, it perfectly fits into the context of the book of Ephesians. Do you know why it fits in the book of Ephesians? How many wants to know why it fits in the book of Ephesians? Are y'all with me? Is everybody with Pastor Josh tonight? Y'all with me? You want to know why this fits in the book of Ephesians? Because the whole book of Ephesians deals with people walking their relationship with the Lord or this journey with the Lord. Paul talks about Christians walking with the Lord all throughout the book of Ephesians. For instance, I want to read just a few of them. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 2. Ephesians 2, verse number 2. I'm just going to look at the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, he says, and I quote, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit now works through the sons of disobedience. Somebody say walk. Everybody say walk. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10. Ephesians 2, verse 10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before Him that they should walk in them. Somebody say walk. Somebody say walk. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, excuse me, Ephesians 4 and verse number 1. Ephesians 4, verse number 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk Worthy of the calling with which you were called. Somebody say walk. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Ephesians 4 and verse 17. This I say therefore and testify to the Lord that you should not longer walk according to the rest of the Gentiles. Somebody say walk. What about Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2? Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 2. And walk in love as Christ also have loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God. Somebody say walk. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. 
Ephesians 5 and verse 8. For you once were in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Somebody say walk. Walk as children of the light. Ephesians 5 verse 15. Ephesians 5 verse 15. See that you what? Walk orderly unto the Lord, not as fools, but as wise. You see, you've got to walk. Somebody say walk. Walk. You see, so what does this have to do with being filled with the Spirit? Remember, Ephesians 5.18, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. The Greek word is be continually filled with the Spirit. The reason that you've got to continually be filled with the Spirit is because you are always walking. Did y'all get that? You're always walking. You're on a journey. You see, your car, if you have a car, it's always running. And it always needs to be filled. If the car is going to go on a journey, it always has to be filled. And Paul is saying, you're on a journey. You're walking with the Lord. And as you walk with the Lord, you've got to make sure that you are continually being filled of the Holy Spirit. You see that? You've got to continue to walk. Now, why, does, why has people quit the journey? They quit the journey because they're not continually being filled. But as long as you're walking, you've got to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what is the Scripture saying? Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. The Greek word, be filled, is the word, go on being filled. Be kept filled. Why? Because in the book of Ephesians, Paul is clearly demonstrating to us that the Christian life is a walk journey. And if you're walking with the Lord, you've got to continually be filled on this journey. So be filled. Be filled with the Spirit. I'm not talking about the initial evidence, uh, the initial experience of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the experience of you being continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, when you speak of, when we talk about the word um, feel, F-I-L-L, when you speak when we talk about that word, we usually think of something being placed in a container. So, for instance, if I have a container and I want to put milk in it, I'll take milk and put it in the container and I would say, I filled the glass with milk. If I say, I'm going to go to the gas station and I'm going to fill my car with gas, if I talk about the bathtub, I'm going to take a bath and I'm going to fill the bathtub with water. There's a plethora of examples. But what I am saying is that the vessel or the container is going to hold something. Can I hear an amen? That's what you usually mean but when we talk about being filled. But can I tell you something? That that's not necessarily what the word here necessarily means. Okay? Because especially here in our English language, some of our words are quite different than uh, the Greek words in which it was translated. So I want you for a moment to understand 
that the word fill here, that's what we mean by it. But what was Paul meaning by Christians being filled with the Spirit? And don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Number one, the word here, the Greek word, the short Greek word, P-L-E-R-O-O, the same word I just gave you a few moments ago, actually has three separate meanings to it. Three definitions. And these definitions clearly define what it means when a Christian is filled with the Spirit. Why does he need to be filled with the Spirit? I clearly demonstrated to you that Paul is saying, you are on a journey. You're walking with the Lord. You're walking with Him. You've got to continually be filled on this journey as you walk with the Lord. And so Paul here is not necessarily saying you're a vessel and something's going to be poured into you, although that's not a wrong definition. He is going much deeper than that. And the first definition of this Greek word is the idea of pressure. Somebody say pressure. It means pressure. Now, what do I mean by pressure? Well, for instance, the best illustration I can give you is a boat. And a boat can have a sail upon it, right? And the boat naturally sails or moves upon the water because of the pressure of the wind upon its sails. Am I right about it? So the boat will naturally go by the force of the wind that's hitting upon the sails. So Paul here is using the word feel, be filled with the Spirit. He is naturally saying here that the Holy Spirit is providing the thrust to you on your journey of life. He is pushing you on the journey of life. The Holy Spirit is providing the thrust to move the believer down the pathway of obedience. Just like the wind presses and pushes upon the sail to push the boat upon the water, the Holy Spirit in like manner pushes the believer down the pathway of obedience. It's what we call as the nudging of the Spirit. The, the, the I felt the nudge or the push of the Holy Spirit. Is there anybody that can wave your hand and say, Pastor, I have felt the nudge before. Hallelujah. I felt the pressure before. I, I've, pre I, I've sensed the Spirit leading me. Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't know what to do and all of a sudden you felt a, just a slight nudge this way? You know what the Spirit is doing? The Spirit is putting just enough pressure on you so you can walk down the pathway of obedience. Somebody, and I'm not, I'm, I'm trying not to get excited here, but anytime you study the Word of God, you can't help but to get excited. So the Spirit is nudging you and pushing you. It's almost as if you ever been to a creek before or a river and you threw a small, a small stick in the river. And when you threw the small stick in the river, the current of the river pushes the stick along the way. And that's what the, Paul was saying here. Paul was saying, You're like the small stick in the river, and the Holy Spirit is pushing you as you walk down the pathway of obedience. That is why you say, well, preacher, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't, don't know why I, I would agree with that. That is why he is clearly telling us that in the same book, Ephesians chapter 5, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. In other words, don't go against his pressure. Don't go against his nudges. Don't go against the impressions of the Holy Spirit as he pushes you along the way. As he slightly thrusts you along the way, don't grieve him 
because you were sealed unto the day of redemption. You've got to be carried along by the gracious pressure of the Holy Spirit. It's not about us receiving a word from God. You already got the word. It's about you being obedient when the Holy Spirit presses you and pushes you along the way to be obedient to Him. How many will wave your hand and say, Pastor, I've experienced the gentle thrust of the Holy Spirit. I've, I've experienced the gentle push of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lift both of your hands up and let us pray. Father, I pray that all of us would always be obedient to the Holy Spirit as He pushes us, gently touches us, moves us along the way. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us, Holy Spirit, to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, Ephesians 4 and verse number 30. Ephesians 4 and verse number 30. Ephesians 4 verse 30, and He says, this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You see that? He says, but you better let all the bitterness, wrath, and anger, evil speaking, better put it away from you and be kind to one another. He says, you're on a journey. And on this journey of life, you've got to be careful that you don't grieve the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is gently thrusting you to be kind to people. The Holy Spirit is gently thrusting you to be gentle. The Holy Spirit is gently thrusting you to be a giver. The Holy Spirit is gently thrusting you to be a worshiper. The Holy Spirit is gently thrusting you to be obedient. Don't go against the gentle thrust of the Spirit and have bitterness and anger and wrath because you are, in essence, going against the flow of the Spirit. You're going against the flow. The pressure of the Spirit is pushing you one way and you go another. You grieve Him when you go the opposite direction. So it is pressure. Permeate is the second word. Permeate. The second word carries the idea of permeation. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, what's those peel, what's those, those little things called when you, my grandma used to eat them all the time, you take them out of the wrapper, you throw it in the water, and it kind of fizzles. How many still drinks them? <laughs> it's because of those bean burritos you eat, bro. <laughs> so, yeah, and what happens to it? It kind of, what, do, what does it do? It kind of fizzles and dissolves in the water. In other words, the tablets are dissolved into clear bubbles, right? The water is permeated with the flavor. The water is permeated with the flavor. Paul uses this word, not only does he use the word pressure, the Greek word for pressure, he uses the word to permeate. In other words, he's saying God wants you to be so permeated with the Holy Spirit that the flavor of the Spirit comes out of your life. That everything about you has been permeated by the Spirit. 
You see, the great danger of Christianity is that we try to separate the secular from the spiritual. My job is secular and church is spiritual. Bible reading is spiritual, but yet dinner time with the family is secular. We try to compartmentalize our Christianity, but when you are filled with the Spirit, He permeates everything about your life. That means your talk is permeated. Your speech is permeated. The way you dress, the way you conduct yourself, the way you talk to people, your actions and your attitudes, it is permeated by the Holy Spirit. You are filled with the Spirit of God. It's not a one-time experience where we speak in tongues and shout on Sunday morning. The Spirit of God has permeated everything about our life. Just like that Alcuselsler. That water is permeated with the flavor. You, my brothers and sisters, when you are filled with the Spirit, not only is the Spirit of God putting pressure, a gentle thrust upon you to go a certain direction, but the Holy Spirit is permeating your life. See, it's not about having more of God. It's about how much of God do you have. It's about how much have you surrendered to God. How much control does God have of your life? It's not about, oh God, give me more of you. God, give me more of you. No, God is saying, how much of you do I have? Are you listening to the, are you going along with the gentle thrust of the Spirit? Are you being permeated in every area of your life by the Spirit? Are you filled with the Spirit? Paul says, don't, be, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Follow the Spirit. You permeated with the Spirit of God. He says, that's the issue. You see, ladies and gentlemen, Ephesians 5 verse 18, I'm not talking about the initial experience, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about a continually being filled with the Spirit of God. Walking in the Spirit. Well, praise the Lord. Is there anybody up in this holiness church tonight can say Amen. Hallelujah. Can somebody just wave your hand? I know it's Wednesday night, but how many just feels good already? <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to follow the pressure of the Spirit. Hallelujah. I'm going to be permeated by the Spirit of God. So, the third definition is the Greek word for be, be filled is the word that we get total control or total surrender. Total surrender. It primarily deals with one's emotions. Isn't that interesting? For instance, this same word appears in three different occasions in the Gospels. And I'm going to read them to you. The same word here of total surrender, it, it, this word appears... The same exact word, same passive voice appears in three other scriptures I want to read to you. Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5 verse 26. Luke 5 verse 26. Luke chapter 5 verse number 26. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and they were filled with fear. Filled with fear. Saying we have 
seen strange things today. They were filled with fear. Luke 6 and verse 11. Luke 6 verse 11. Luke 6 verse 11. And they were filled with rage. Discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. They were filled with rage. John 16 verse 6. John 16 verse 6. And it states, But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Sorrow has what? Sorrow has filled your heart. See, each of those scriptures reveal an emotion so overwhelming within people that it dominated their thoughts and it dominated their emotions. They were so filled with an emotion that according to these scriptures, their thoughts were affected by it. Is that right? Now emotions can be deadly. Emotions can be good. But the scripture is implying here that these emotions had an effect on the way they thought. And that when you are controlled by the Spirit of God, it controls the way you think. Emotions don't get the best of you. You have control over the emotions. We don't like to hear that, do we? We live in a generation where we tell people off. I mean, I'm I'm just going to give you a piece of my mind, you know. We, you know, I'm going to give you a piece. I'm just going to tell you how I feel. Because we are so filled with that emotion, it dominates how we think. And the Scripture is saying here, get filled with the Spirit so much, it controls the way you think and thus controls your emotions. Can I hear an amen? So, every emotion, every thought, every action, should be under the direction of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again. Every emotion, every thought, every action should be under the direction of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I'm glad you're here. It means, number one, pressure. A gentle thrust. It means to be permeated by the Spirit of God. It means to be dominated or controlled by the Spirit of God. You see, the devil has, the devil always has a counterfeit. You ever heard of demon possession? He always has a counterfeit. Don't get drunk, which leads to debauchery. Get filled with the Spirit. He says, he says, don't get, now think about it. He says in Ephesians 5.18, don't get drunk, which leads to reckless behavior. It's debauchery. He says, but be filled with the Spirit. Why would he use such a comparison? Why a comparison with wine versus being filled with the Spirit? Because Paul understands a principle that when wine reaches a certain level in your body, it brings results. 
Is there anybody hearing me tonight? Are you all out there? How many's been drunk before? Raise your hand. Okay, all of you have been drunk before. And everybody in the balcony has saw every hand that went up. It's okay. You know, before we're a fellowship of saints, we're a fellowship of sinners. So, now how many's been drunk before? Come on. Ain't nobody going to get on to you. Just, okay. So, let me ask you a question. When alcohol has reached a certain level, some people can drink a few glasses and be fine. Some people can drink one and absolutely waste it. Just can't walk, they act stupid. Some people can drink three, six packs and, you know, they're, they're wonderful. So the, the bottom line is, and I'm not advocating drinking. I'm advocating you getting drunk in the spirit. So, so hold on. So get this. The principle is this. When alcohol, he uses wine here, when it reaches a level, it brings results. He thus uses the comparison. Don't, 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 don't be like that. But be filled with the Spirit so that you could be, so that you could have results as you walk on this journey of life. Woo. I'm about to shout up in here. Did y'all hear me? He says, if you really want to get results, be filled with the Spirit. Because that's what wine does. That's what alcohol does. It brings a result. You wouldn't drink it if it didn't give you a result. It gives you a buzz. It gives you a feeling. You're happy. You ever notice when some people get drunk, they, I mean, they just, you know, hey, baby, how much money you need? They, they're just givers. And I mean, I always loved to hang around. When my family was getting drunk, I, I mean, I didn't like it, but if I wanted something, I'd just say, you, you think you can loan a brother $10? You know what I'm saying? Because they're, they're giving. They're, you know, some of them, you know, some in my experience, they were giving and what? I think I'm digging myself in a hole, but let me dig myself out. The bottom line is, and don't go home thinking I advocate drinking. I do not. You should not drink. Listen, you drink alcohol to get a result. And the comparison is get filled with the Spirit so you can have results on this journey of life. You see, let me just break it down like this. More control versus, or more control equals more results. I'll say that again. Maybe you'll get it. More control equals more results. Why does people keep getting drunk? and keep getting intoxicated and drink more and more and more because they want more. They want more. Why does people keep doing drugs over and over? They want a greater high, a greater epiphany, a greater climax. They want a greater result. So, if you want greater results, he has to have greater control of you. 
I'm going to say that again. If you want more results, he has to have more control over you. If he doesn't have control over you, you don't have results. You see, the scripture says, be filled. That means you've got to do it. The responsibility is up on the person. It's not more of him. It's how much of me does he have? How much of control does he have over my life? Does he have control over my finances? Oh, we want to shout, Lord, I want more of you, but some of us don't tithe. We're not faithful with our offerings. So we want more of God, but some of us, we like to, we like to sleep around. Sex outside of marriage. Oh, you know, I, I was pastoring one time, and this guy, not here, and this guy said, Pastor, I just want more of God. And I said, well, the first thing you need to do is move out with your girlfriend, and let's just start there. He got up from my couch, walked out the door, and said, I ain't doing that. You see, that's, that's, that's the tension of Christianity. We want more of God, but how much of control does He have over your life? What about your talking? Your speech? Your thoughts. How you respond to your parents. How you respond to people in leadership. What, how much control does he have? More control equals more results. You see, being filled with the Spirit is simple. You've got to yield yourself. Completely. All of you has to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's not a little bit of this and a little bit of that. No, it's all of it. Marriages. Is it under the control of the Holy Spirit? And I could go throughout the whole list, and I'm not pinpointing anything particular for anybody, so don't think I'm pinpointing fingers. I've already had this sermon done before I knew you were coming. So it's not, I'm not pinpointing anybody. I'm giving examples to let you know that being filled with the Holy Spirit could be a plethora of things. And you've got to ask the question, how much of control does he have in my life? Boy, it's quiet in this church. The world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to God. See? It's about how much control he has. How much domination does he have in your life? Are you following the thrust of the Spirit? Has He permeated your life, every area of your life, is your thoughts, your actions, your attitudes. What about it? The list is endless. And the more, listen, the more control He has, the more results you see. The less control He has, less results you see in your life. It's not about you getting more of God. It's about how much does He have of you. And I've studied for years. 
I say that with humility. I've studied history books. I've went to school. I have never read where anybody who really experienced the presence of God always trying to seek for more of God. It was men and women of God who was in a humble position and realized that they were sinful and they needed God more than anybody else needed. And when they humbled and yielded themselves to the Master, God used them mightily to change the world. Because the problem with the human heart has always been the problem with the human heart, and that's pride. That's always been the problem. And it will be the problem until Christ returns. It's the prideful arrogance of humanity demanding that God give us and do this, do this for me. No, no, God says, I've already done everything. I want all of you. Because that was the issue of the Old Testament. He purchased them, they were His people, but yet He didn't have all of them because they kept going after foreign gods. And that was the issue of the Old Testament, and that is the issue of humanity today. We still seek after foreign gods, and yet we are still not yielded in the hands of the Master. The world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through a man who is consecrated and wholly devoted unto Him. Be filled with the Spirit. Pray great prayers. How much does He have of me? And when you do that, you'll get more of God. Oh yes. You'll get as much of God you want when he has all of you. A.W. Tozer said it like this, in order for God to bless a man, he first must conquer the man. Has God conquered you? Has he conquered your spirit? Conquered your will? Devoted to him? Does he have all of you? That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Isn't that ironic that being filled with the Spirit is not a one-time experience where we speak with other tongues and that is a great experience. An experience that you should seek after and want. But it doesn't end there. A continual yielding of ourselves to the hands of the Master. Next week, we're going to look at the characteristics of being filled with the Spirit. Because Ephesians gives us a whole list of all the characteristics of these people when they got filled, what their characteristics were. They were attributes and characteristics. Yes, the initial experience is that our language is changed and we receive that gift of the Holy Spirit, but there are other things that happen and should happen. You see, we focus so much on the experience of speaking in tongues that we have forgot that there are other characteristics that should be exemplified in our life if we are filled with the Spirit of God. There should be other characteristics in your life. Yes, you should pray in that language, and yes, you should exercise that gift, but there are other things that should be growing in your life as a result of that. Can I hear an amen? Praise the Lord. Well, how many enjoyed the word of the Lord tonight?